0: ghosts and folks we're devin and taylor the folks we like spooky things particularly spooky movies and we like talking about them this podcast will be a discussion about horror films from all subgenres and how they connect to
1: each other and the human experience so i guess to start this off we should introduce ourselves Um, so i am the (laughs) Devon. this is what my voice sounds like (laughs) And I'm Taylor. I was the one that read The Thing before. Awesome. And we're friends who watch horror movies together. And I guess for a little background so that you kind of understand the route that we're taking this project, we met in graduate school. So we're huge nerds. Super huge nerds. Taylor, especially in this realm because she does death studies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I have
0: a master's degree in history and I wrote my thesis on burial practices and cemeteries in the late nineteenth century. Yeah, and I used to work in a crypt. <laughs> so I'm yeah, very I find uh yeah, burial and funeral very interesting. Yeah, academically.
1: So this is, uh, we're going to be a little analytical, I guess, in our watching of horror. Yeah. But before we get into all of that, Taylor, how did you get into horror movies and writing and all the spook? That's a very good question, and <laughs> definitely one that
0: people often ask me about my, like, academic career, too, because we we're really like, how did you get into this? And it's hard to, like, trace back, because I I just remember being, like, very fascinated from a very young age with, like, things that were maybe too scary for me. I <laughs> actually, like, I remember my – the first, like, TV show I remember watching was this, I think it was on PBS, I think it was called Ghost Writing, or Ghost Writers, or something, and it was about these, like, kid writers who, like, had a ghost, who, like, gave them clues, and, like, I I had to be under the age of four, because we were in our, <laughs> like, old house, so yeah, I was under four, and I remember being obsessed with this show about a ghost, uh, <laughs> and that kind of, you know, grew up, from there and um, yeah, kept kind of pushing boundaries with my parents of like, can I watch this? And they're being like, um, why don't we watch it first? Uh, yeah. And then in undergrad, I decided that I was like, I really wanted to watch horror movies, but I made myself this crazy list of like the hundred essential horror movies that I had to watch. And I was like checking them all off and like I'm so that kind of like very systematic viewer of like i must i even now i have lists of like okay i have to watch all these series and like note that i take notes and stuff and it's the same with death studies in undergrad it just kept being like well why don't i just write another paper about funerals and that's how i kind of ended up here
1: uh, uh what about you Devin? um mine's a little less direct I was a very scared child. (laughs) I was scared of everything. And very anxious and nervous person. So it kind of took me a while to get into the spooky things. Like, I always really liked Halloween. And I think... Yeah, so I came sort of indirectly, because when I was really young, I was super into, like, fantasy and Lord of the Rings and witches, so, like, I really liked movies like Practical Magic, where it was, like, cute still, so it's, like, really a rom-com with, like, Sandra Bullock, but there were witches and magic and Harry Potter and that stuff, but I was really, really jumpy, and... (laughs) I'm like almost 30 so the period when I was like in the horror demographic right so teenager it was all of the like early aughts jump scare nonsense that was like not having it but my mom was super into thrillers and the things that sort of toe that horror line so she really liked like, reading Stephen King. My mom was always reading Stephen King and, like, serial killer biographies. But she really liked watching, like, thriller movies. Like, and some of them that were, like, are actually, like, horror movies but were sort of sold as thrillers. So, like, Silence of the Lambs is, like, one of my mom's all-time favorite movies. And I would watch these movies with her. And so I liked Fantasy and Witches. And then I liked these movies about, like, murders. But not, like, slashers and yeah. stuff. Like, I liked the ones that felt like it could actually happen. Like, it was like, oh, this is how screwed up yeah. a person could I get. I definitely watched a lot of, um...
0: There was, like, the Investigation Discovery Channel where you could get, yeah. like,
1: forensic <laughs> files and cold case files. Yeah. Whenever I was, like, homesick, too, if my mom was home, it was a lot of, like, the true crime on, like, TNT. Yes. And the, like, the Lifetime movies were, like, someone's abducted. You know, so it was, was like, that kind of tension I really liked. And then as I got to, like, college and stuff and was, like, going to movies with friends and things, we started going to see more and more horror movies. And I realized, like, how expansive the genre is. And then now, of course, I live with my partner, who you obviously know, (laughs) who is obsessed with the old Italian giallos. And... So it's just, like, sort of more and more things. But I'm still very much into the, like, witchy spooks, yeah, more than anything else, I think. So I came to it because, you know, when I was in the fifth grade, I was, like, obsessed with the Mist of Avalon, which is way spookier than you would think it is, because that's straight fantasy. Mm -hmm. But all the spooky fantasy was really, I think, how I got into it. And then my mom in Silence of the Lambs. It watched way too definitely young. same with the the witches we
0: have discussed and i have provided photographic evidence that i was a witch for halloween at least four times <laughs> under the age of 10 <laughs> i have photographs of all of these and so you can tell that they're different years because i'm getting bigger <laughs> but yeah my makeup's getting more intense as the years go on I the, the last one the oldest i'm very like I'm very spooky in that one, but some of the little ones, I'm just, like, an adorable little witch. Yeah, love the... Yeah, this is maybe going off our, our script a little bit, but... um, Oh, God. Yeah, so I was going to say, like, so you have, you've always preferred the, like, supernatural style and, like, the psychological or...
1: Well, so, like, watching movies and stuff was something that I did with my mom so i was am was i was a very sickly child (laughs) am now a very sickly adult (laughs) but i was was home a lot with my mom and we would watch movies together and my mom loved like movies and stories like mist of avalon and stuff that were like that very eighties and nineties like women empowerment yeah kind of thing. So it's like you read it back now and I'm like, this is kinda rapey (laughs) But like it had magic and like the really powerful people in the books were like the women you know and in the movies it was like these women had like all these witch powers and like if some man screwed around with them like they could strike him with lightning or whatever so I watched a lot of those Mm. and then from that like got into more of the like true horror that my mom wasn't super into um so I think that's one of the roots. And then, like, the other thing was, again, watching movies with my mom where it was, like, serial killers. <laughs> but not, like, yeah. slashers. Not where yeah. they're, like, people being killed because, you know, they had sex in the woods. It was more, like, you know, blonde-haired women who go to a certain library are all being picked <laughs> off. You know, it was, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I guess that's, that's sort of how it was. Yeah. It was my, like... I, yeah, I really liked the ones where it was, like, all the townspeople think that the witch is evil, but in reality, like, she's just real powerful yeah. and she could take you out. Yeah, with her magic. It's that quote that keeps going around about how, like, when
0: women are look scary, it's just because they're, like, angry and finally, like,
1: powerful yeah. or something. that, was, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was the kind of stuff that like we would watch when I was at homesick. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I say,
0: I did also read a lot of Stephen King, uh, and I think <laughs> the the kind of stereotype applies where like a lot of times my parents would kind of be like, "Well, we don't really know. Let let's kind of vet this film before we let you watch this." Like like we, we we've talked about this before, but my first R rated movie was Panic Room. I love that it's movie. so good. <laughs> I love it so much, and I have absolutely no memory of. I had to be around twelve, so like I feel like I should have a memory of this, but I remember just being like, "I must see this film. I must."
1: <laughs> no idea why. I think my mom and I went to see that together. Like it was like a yeah. family outing. It to was. See it's panic so good, room. but I just remember being adamant, and my With mom was like, Kristen "Well, it's rated Stewart.
0: R, and you're twelve, so like let me watch it first. And so she watched it first, and was like, "This isn't that bad. Like there's some violence. We're gonna have to have yeah. a discussion about gun violence after." afterwards because my parents were like those kind of like oh let's now talk about the socio-cultural <laughs> issues
1: um and then oh yeah my parents by the time I was 12 they were just done with trying to vet movies they were like <laughs> yeah but it's whatever. like my parents never <laughs> watch panic vetted. books that was like it was I could oh, read no. whatever I want yeah that's how I ended up reading that's how I ended up reading Mist of Avalon <laughs> at like yeah 10 yeah because my, my mom was like, well, we might have to talk about a few scenes. And then she totally did not remember how incredibly graphic yeah. that book is. I remember, the
0: one that I remember but, myself being like, maybe I shouldn't be reading this was Dean Kuhn's The Whispers. <laughs> and like, I think my mom, my mom used to like reading Dean Kuh- Kuhn. So she was just like, yeah, that sounds sure. It's, it's probably not any worse than Stephen King. It's a lot worse than Stephen King. <laughs> And it's like there's a lot of like very graphic, like sexual content that I maybe wasn't ready for and I was like, I'm I'm totally ready for this. I've read like Carrie and Firestarter and like Insomnia. It's fine. And then it's like, oh no. Like this
1: Yeah, the only thing I wasn't I was actively not allowed to read as a kid was the hot zone because because I was kind of sick and because I definitely have like some O C D issues, like verified by a psychiatrist ocd issues. my mom was just terrified that i was going to be convinced that like i definitely own it i was in the middle of a pandemic even we though like now are. we are in the middle of a pandemic. i definitely own that book
0: because actually yes it's right there i see it um that's so funny. Cause so I was actually assigned to read his other book, Demon in the Freezer, which is about smallpox. Yeah, I wasn't allowed yeah, to read that. Yeah, I had, had to read it for, uh, <laughs> like ninth grade bio and I left it in my, my, I also used to, I don't know if this will make the cut, but uh, I used to be a ballet dancer and my dad, my very patient father would like drive me everywhere for rehearsals and then kind of have to like sit in his mm-hmm. car for hours as I was like in the Nutcracker and <laughs> So he was just like sitting in an alleyway outside of a theater. like, And I left the book in the car one day and he like read it all in one sitting while I was dancing. And he's a paramedic. And that launched him on this like weird infectious disease kick. And so we like bought the hot zone and we like read the hot zone together and he read like ghost map, which is about, uh, cholera in London. And like, he was reading all about the Spanish influenza. Yeah. So that was like a, that was a, our family activity was <laughs> let's read about infectious yeah, I was.
1: My mom was really into all of this. She read all of them, but I was, I was, that was the one part of our bookshelf where she was like everyone else in the family can read these books like my stepdad loved hot zone and all of this but she was like "Devon is not you're not allowed to which of course that made maybe really want to but i i still haven't uh
0: if you i mean uh, right now is maybe not a best the best time to do so but i no. i do own it no. if you
1: ever want to read it yeah she got really upset when i watched contagion when that came out she's like you should not have seen that movie that's a really that really might be good. an
0: interesting um, segue. Do you define yeah. Contagion as a horror movie? Because I have seen it listed. Uh, but I don't know if it's
1: I would call it a horror movie. Um so like I know for my pandemic experience, because I, I watched it when yeah. it came out, but I, I was one of the people <laughs> as I watched it tick up the top mm-hmm. ten in Of, like, movies watched in Canada on Netflix. I was like, oh, contagion. And I put it off for a while, but it was at the very beginning of everything, I think cathartic in the way that some of, at least the way that some of the, like, true Mm -hmm. crime, serial killer, like, mind hunter films are kind of cathartic, you know, where it's like, this is something real that I worry about, you know, or like the like the way that like the the rape revenge horror movies can be kind of like cathartic where it's like this is something that like is a fear that I'm constantly dealing with yeah. in my life and watching it play yeah. out to a, a like completion to like an end a yeah. satisfying end cuz i think that's the the reason why i
0: don't look at it as necessarily part of the larger horror genre is because it is very it's very real world based. It's very like this is exactly mm-hmm. this is well, it was originally based off of um, actual pandemic plans that, of course, didn't play out in the same Not way that we may have wanted them to, uh, but it was based off of like real. Uh, epi- epidemiologists yeah. and their, their experiences and so it I, that's why I never looked at that because it's just like so straightforward but I did see it a lot of people because it is horrifying yeah. it is like you it's know terrifying. especially yeah. now that we've lived through it a little bit we know what this really feels like well
1: I think like that's the that's the thing that I think why I would now put it there because it does it does wrap up yeah you know in the way that so many horror movies do you know you get rid of the ghost or you know the final girl escapes the cabin in the woods or you know what whatever thing it is like in the the demon is put back into whatever you know box it is they close the little cube and all of the Hellraiser dudes i can't remember what they're called right now like go back to their weird dimension like it it it's resolved yeah. and so you get that feeling of catharsis of like i w- this was scary and this happened but now it's a- as opposed to you know living through the pandemic now where it's just like ongoing and like more and more things are just falling apart yeah. around it and it's like on top of global pandemic there's also, like, you know, horrifying climate yeah. change and, like, multiple diseases becoming a problem and, like, all of these things. And it's, like, this feels, like, like so much neater and yeah. safer. And that's something that's, than... you're saying, at, at,
0: I reached a point at, like, probably late spring during pandemic, so, like, I had been working at a restaurant restaurant shut down on March 17th I had kind of a couple weeks of being like "Ah, what do I do with this and then I found that in like April Mm -hmm. May I could only consume horror literature or film like I just like stopped being able to watch like comedies or like really fluffy things So I like yeah I ended up at this place where I was that's like the right. only way I feel anything is through horror films but I think you're right too is where it's like often they're wrapped up and like someone survives so it was like this catharsis of like okay like this is a narrative that's scaring me and it's like validating my feelings of fear but it's allowing me to yeah. say like uh ah, it's concluded and we have like peace and safety now where it wasn't something that I was anyone anyone yeah. was able to I mean I had a
1: similar thing with lockdown as well um, that was around the the period that you're talking about was the period where I watched two seasons of Hannibal in like four days because like I oh yeah
0: that was i got very into cannibalism as well uh and i kept having to say academically academically and i i told my mom that i was like i've been very into cannibalism and she's like what and i I meant it as like i i had started listening to another podcast about cannibalism i had like watched hannibal got added to netflix and i like binge watched hannibal and there was like something else that i was like about cannibalism that I had gotten sucked into reading and she was like don't you live alone and I'm like mom I'm not gonna actually eat someone I mentioned like an academic like (laughs) I'm studying like the cultural history of cannibalism so I was
1: watching I like I think I rewatched parts of Haunting of Hell House and I was watching all of this like stuff but I think then it was also that ability to take all of this sort of unresolved anxiety and fear that I was feeling and like place it onto, like, the horror, the the anxiety and fear feeling that you get from the movie. And so to make it less about the real world and make it more about, like, oh, man, is he going to get eaten by Hannibal? Like, who's getting eaten by Hannibal now? Like, who's the serial killer this week? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, how does. and I think it's, uh, especially
0: with Hannibal, I mean, we can like, talk <laughs> about Hannibal on its own someday because it's, like, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> so I love that show so much. Um, but it is, like, you know, especially that first season where Will really doesn't have a grip yeah. on his reality. Like, his, his, as the season plays out, it's, like, he loses more and more of his, like, actual perception of reality. And when I was just, like, locked down mm. in my apartment at all times, it was this kind of really weird, like... I don't really know what's going on outside and like everything felt a little off so like when I would go to the grocery store I had these like feelings of being in yeah. another world almost so yeah the place being able to like kind of be like wow yeah Will Graham is going crazy because of his like infatuation yeah it with was this. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it was a
1: <laughs> it was really I, I mean I don't I don't know how to Necessarily explain all of that. I don't know if I've really worked through all of it yet. I also did find that my
0: emotions were more intense about horror movies. Like, I remember watching um, uh, The Invitation. Mm-hmm. Which oh, is, I watched that in lockdown, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if anyone in our audience has not watched it, it's about this, like, dinner party, but the tension really ramps up. And, like, the, it's so good at building tension. And so when this movie ended, I was, like, shaking. I felt like I had just gotten off a roller coaster. Like, the adrenaline dump was that intense, which yeah. I hate roller coasters. I don't know if that is weird because I love the like fear and adrenaline I get from horror movies but like I don't want my body to be involved in it like I want (laughs) to watch it on a screen or read it in a book but like me on a uh, I don't love roller coasters but it felt like that where I was like shaking and my heart rate was up so it was weird that I like felt more intensely but anyway Yeah. So,
1: do you have, like, a solid definition of horror? Because I know, like, my partner definitely does. Yeah. Because he's always like, Star oh, wasn't a horror stop movie. And we're like, movie. stop it. Yes,
0: it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, part of, you know, wh- why we're doing this podcast, I think. Because yeah. we end up, the two of us, we uh, started watching horror movies together uh, yeah. last summer. Um, and With my partner. Yeah, <laughs> with her partner, and we would all we would kind of cycle through choosing what movie to watch, so it of course like reflected our own preferences a lot. And after like almost every one that I picked, JP would be like, "That wasn't a horror movie," and then I would like lose my mind for five minutes and have this whole like lecture about like tropes and like uh, the emotion yeah. drawn out because I think my it seems like your definition of horror is like very much based on the catharsis. And yeah. I think mine is is based on drawing feelings out of the audience of like horror or revulsion or fear. Yeah. Not necess- like the catharsis is important for me at least, but I think a lot of horror movies don't end up necessarily having the same. Yeah. I, e- yeah.
1: I think that they're I think that the ones that honestly the movies that have like stuck with me the most are the ones that don't resolve that emotion well like i think like seven right Where no not to like spoil things but like with the the end scene with the box you know what's What's in the box box? box?" (laughs) like that doesn't that that doesn't you know like so many horror movies where you have like the true catharsis like where i think you do like with contagion Mm. for example if we're going to say that that's a horror movie you know the power of the the thing that's causing the horror is taken away right everybody gets a vaccine sorry to spoil contagion (laughs) for you but like it ends the way pandemics end (laughs) (laughs) i mean like there are two options everyone dies or (laughs) there's a vaccine <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like they get a vaccine yeah. right and like then it's not as scary you know there's still that they're still implying that they have a ways to go with making sure that everybody gets the vaccine in stages or whatever but society's gonna come back and like things are gonna be fine but like seven mm. the evil force in that movie still has the power yeah. right
0: and i think that's super um, interesting one of why my favorite recent horror movies hereditary just, I'm going to talk a lot about Ari Aster in this podcast. I'm just warning everyone now. Um,
1: <laughs> that and, uh, what is it, Robert? Uh, Robert Eggers.
0: Yes, The the, the 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 Vavitch and The Lighthouse, and he's making a movie about Vikings, I believe, is his next one, and I'm very excited for it, but yeah, and and I I love Ari Aster, but yeah, Hereditary does not have, it's one of my favorites, but it does not have the same um, catharsis because it is the end, the the kind of evil uh, cult with their payment they still hold the power and like everything has fallen away um but on the other side like Summer is very cathartic (laughs) um nice try that was a good try so that's our yeah our our definition of horror as all definitions are is kind of complex and open-ended because I think there's there's often arguments that one could make for various things but obviously like if they're hitting certain tropes um obviously like the big structural things like if you have a slasher movie it's fairly obviously a horror movie and you it's fairly clear from the get-go that it's a slasher movie Um, yeah
1: and I think that like when when it is hitting the hitting the tropes and using them effectively it's almost harder to say like this is why this fits in this genre because like just to to give an example um last year at fantasia which is one the a big genre film festival in montreal i went to see a movie that i thought had like a lot of potential called aqua (laughs) slash And not to, like, shit on a low-budget movie, but it was supposed to be in the style of this American slasher. And so we were like, ah, yes, aqua slashing, because it was supposed to be, like, all these teens get slashed inside of uh, water slides (laughs) at a water park. But it was made by this French-Canadian director who lives way up north somewhere, and it just seemed like the... the one, the character tropes weren't being translated well. Like, there didn't seem to be, like, a solid understanding of the, like, American high school movie and, the, and like, how archetypes. the the character archetypes were going to be developed. So they kept sort of switching between who was what and why they were going to get slashed. And there wasn't, like the slashing happening throughout the movie. It was like this long buildup of essentially just girls running around a bikini. So it looked like kind of a bad music video for like an hour and 20 minutes. And then at the last 10 minutes, it was just like slashing. So I feel like it would have made like a really excellent short film where they were just like, here's the aqua slashing and not have all the rest of it. But it was like, it's super easy to look at that movie and be like, I know exactly where these tropes failed hmm rather than to look at something that either does it really well, you know, looking back at like the classic slashers, like Halloween and stuff, where you're like, this did this is what set this up or at the movies that like sort of subvert that to be like, well like if if they're subverting it really well, you know, like Cabin in the yeah. Woods, it's like, okay, well it has all the format of a horror movie, but is it a yeah. horror movie? Like, it's a little bit harder for the movies that do- use the tools well than when it totally fails. Because yeah. <laughs> when it totally fails, you're like, they should have done this, and they should have done this, and it should have been like this, because now I'm just confused. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you subvert it well, you know, if you have all the moments at, the, like, the beginning of Cabin in the Woods where, like, uh, Chris Hemsworth is, like, a poetry yeah. major. <laughs> And What's-Her-Face had, like, just dyed her hair blonde and the virgin was sleeping with professor, you know, and you, like, see exactly how they're, like, lining out all the characters of versions and setting them up to be slashed. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little harder. But, Taylor, so what is it that you really like about horror movies and or literature? Yeah. Which can probably fall into how we define it as well.
0: I think um, part of it ends up being this, like, you know, I really don't like roller coasters, but some people really like roller coasters. And it's like you want to feel you want to be able to feel unsafe in a safe way. So I think some people are attracted to roller coasters. Some people are attracted to horror movies where you can kind of like have this moment of feeling like you're unsafe. But, you know, you can pull back. Um, I did also like kind of through my 20s, like early 20s back when I had the list. um, I think part of it was this like I really wanted to scare myself. I really wanted that like jolt. So I would go through like phases where I would like watch a lot of horror movies over like a three month period. Then I would desensitize myself to it. And then I would kind of fall off and not watch it as much because it wasn't giving me the, like, adrenaline hit that I wanted. And then I would go back to watching it once I'd, like, resensitize myself. And now I think it's just I find it really, like, interesting. And I think it's a super dynamic genre um, where, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, you can kind of make I think you I don't know if this is the right way to say it but you can kind of spice up many tales by making them horror because like there are so many yeah. things that like so many basic stories that you can be like but what if it was really scary or like what if these horrible yeah. things went wrong about it and so it's like that safe exploration of darkness um versus <laughs> yeah yeah not actually being safe and also like spicing up stories that uh, maybe like yeah like you know romance stories that you know I think could be yeah like they they can be very scary in real life and like how do you, you I don't know that part's not as yeah I'm not sure
1: I also just like so I mean my my answer to that question has a lot of that in it you know I was thinking while you were talking about like why I love Haunting of Hill House, which we talk about all the time. Like obviously that's a show, not a movie, but We're, we can talk about it's... shows too because I do love. Yeah, or like yeah, Hannibal, but like uh, what I was sp- thinking of specifically was Haunting of Hill House because it's just such a, like the things that that show explores through each of those characters. Like ostensibly, it's about a haunted house and the way that this haunted house sort of like follows all of these family members, but it's also about like family and intergenerational Mm -hmm. trauma and it's about just sort of like the basic horrors of motherhood and of like loving anyone knowing that people are mortal. So it's like these like basic internal anxieties that you have about like, oh my gosh, I love this person, but like what if they die? (laughs) You know, and And not just like like what if they die, but like they are going to die. We're all going to die. (laughs) Uh (laughs) yeah. And that is
0: like yeah that's why I think I also love Haunting of Hill House for like really prominently um, showing like centering the funeral and like showing the kind of like ritual of ushering someone out of life. That was such a
1: perfect scene. Long tracking shots. The long tracking where they're arguing. And also the part where she's um, the two scenes with uh, the sister's body where she's one like working through the process, the embalming and like ready, readying the and body like, process yeah. and remembering the wedding, like when she got married, and then the other one where the sister who can, um, like. Yeah. Is it read thoughts? Yeah, like when she touches people. Yeah. yeah, she like knows things. She's like psychic when she touches people. That when she goes down and touches the body, and it's just like emptiness. Yeah. Like those, I thought were such powerful scenes because it's like two very specific and real ways that people deal with grief. Yeah. and of, I like, think it's in the trauma of losing. Yeah, a something
0: about horror movies that's really interesting too is how it reflects the culture at the time so as historians I was just gonna say that as historians, like they create like when you watch periodized films you can kind of see like what mm-hmm. the general anxieties were like and I think I have like a whole essay planned that I would love to actually sit down and write someday about um, kind of the shift we're undergoing now about perceptions of the afterlife in western culture yeah. and like the the increase of people who are atheists and who don't believe in any sort of mm-hmm. afterlife but that does create a lot of anxiety around like the annihilation of the self so that speech is one of my mm-hmm. favorite kind of like examples of that where she talks about how empty and nothing is there um is San yeah. Junipero and Black Mirror is the other kind of like major piece to this because yeah. she talks about like they have this guaranteed afterlife but then she talks about like losing her husband earlier in her life and he's just gone so like that cultural anxiety of people just being gone and there's no hope to ever see them again like once they're dead they're gone um which isn't necessarily a thing earlier on in U.S. history where it's like much more yeah uh, there's
1: also like one of the things that I was just thinking about when we were talking about this was the the way that we tell stories surrounding death so like I think Haunting of Hill House is so powerful now or at least you know pre-pandemic and or places that aren't the U.S. <laughs> where you know you're not really like until recently we've lived in a world where we're not sort of surrounded daily by the concept mm-hmm. of death you know you look at early America you look at each, any part of post-contact indigenous studies which is what I did at grads in grad school you know everyone the the way that you form relationships with people is very much based around this concept of like well they might die at literally any point and like that your society you know you'd look at um the Iroquois or the um Cherokee and like the the wars and sort of like battles that were fought between nations over or like townships over like someone getting killed and then you'd have to go and kill like a relative of that person you know to like even things out or take a captive to like even things out and like replace them essentially like well now that person's come back to me i have a new nephew like, you know, which seems super weird to us now where people aren't dying a lot. Or you look at like the early Puritans who would name a child John. Mm-hmm. And then if that child didn't live a full year, the next boy would be named John. And so you have like those Bibles where it's just like John, 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 John. And then finally the John that lived. And it's like they're all essentially like conceptually yeah. the same child. Yeah. Because you can't form that like emotional attachment whereas we have this idea of like everyone is a specific individual and like the depth of feeling that we're able to put into that person's individuality is so strong and the horror of losing that specific person can be so much in our society now that like those films about that kind of death specifically Or even I think the the film The Ritual is like that too. The responsibility that you have to protect friends and relationships. Yeah,
0: yeah, and the kind of the the guilt that comes from failing because we feel this <laughs> kind of like there's a, a tension between the individuality and because like technically in the most individualistic way in The Ritual, that yeah, main character, survived. yeah, did the right thing by the individual he survived but his friend died and how does yeah. he like
1: pass but, like, through and also, this like but guilt, the, so some of the things um, that I love about horror is that like you can also, have so. all of that in a movie or you can have you know midsummer and working through all of the icky feelings that you have after a breakup or you can have just straight up camp and nonsense like Wolf Cop 2 where it's like so you can have these things where it's like just total therapeutic or (laughs) just utter camp or you can have you know just the like Rocky Horror Picture Show where it is just it's literally as much camp as you can get in that you know where it's sweet transvestite and stuff like that you know like it's yeah. I, I like the scope of the genre that like I can have you can have a horror movie for any mood like you honest as much as I love other genres it is kind of like you don't necessarily yeah. need any other genre because you can get everything you could want from yeah okay I'm a diehard I'm a diehard yeah. period romance film lover it's a hot too take, but it's and the really bad 90s rom-coms I love those yeah. as well and they all have their place but they're not for every feeling whereas i feel like no matter what i want i can find a horror movie that would fit that yeah you
0: know yeah and i think we're also like you know living in what i keep calling like the new golden age because people just like keep yeah. deepening the experience of horror and keep like
1: yeah. Bringing out these
0: emotions. So I feel like, yeah, and like, you know, sometimes when I talk about horror with people who aren't really into the genre. They're often, like, kind of stuck in this, like, oh, you just like those, like, 80 movies about, about like, oh, you mean the JP. guy in the mask you running the around with, like, J. an J. axe <laughs> <laughs> No, like, I, oh, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, J- JP is a little bit stuck in that of, like, he defines his horror experience based off of that. <laughs> but, like, talking to people who don't watch a lot of horror, they're like, why do you like that? And I'm like, no, it's, like, so much bigger yeah. now. It's always been bigger. And then I could get into a whole fight about, like, literature because you know mary shelley and i mary will shelley. throw down for mary shelley <laughs> writing like what could be argued as like the first apocalyptic yeah. <laughs> sci-fi book and like yeah. all of this yeah so um anyway i'm really into mary shelley but yeah so i think um i lost my train of
1: thought but i think also like you can you can get oh yeah it's yeah it's so much more especially now i mean going back to robert eggers it is robert right roger eggers is that other guy Robert Eggers Uh, but I mean like you can even get like I want my super accurate period film about like the struggles of like religiosity in early America with the Vovich where it is literally taken from all of the dialogues taken from historical texts and they had all of the historians who you knew in Massachusetts like designing the costumes and like it's just stupid accurate nerdy movie Yeah. And then 15 seconds. And then there's actually, like, the devil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, yeah, so you could get this, like, super hyper accurate historical film but it's also horror it's like you could just do so many things and it's like it doesn't just have to be this like drama i also love the
1: bitch because uh. i feel like that's the most accurate way that you can tell a story about witchcraft in early america because for the people in early america the devil and the witches were real it was a real thing. It's not like, oh, yeah. these crazy people were all high on these like mushrooms. They didn't know were like toxic and that's why they <laughs> Don't killed even all the started people. on the ergot <laughs> that's why they theory. Killed all people. They all had toxic bread and then they all like went psycho and killed all those people in Salem and it's like no, they just thought witches were real.
0: <laughs> yeah. They, that was <laughs> the witch- they were and genuinely they under the impression real,
1: that in that time witches were real. Like, that was the scientific knowledge of the time. Yeah. Like, witches were real. Yeah. Spectral evidence
0: is admissible <laughs> in court.
1: So, like, the, I feel like the fact that, like, yeah, she goes off and joins a f- coven and flies around the forest is, like, the most accurate way to tell a story about witches in early America. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, the, it, that was real. Your goat could actually be a demon.
0: You never know. Wow, Those goats, elephants. they're they're crap. <laughs> but yeah, I do also, like, find now, uh, yeah, the other, yeah, the, the whole thing about horror and, like, I cannot face real things anymore <laughs> because there's just been too much this year. So it's, like, I keep being like okay i understand i have heard of the things that are going on and i'm well informed and like do my part to like sign petitions and donate and vote and all of these things but then i'm like all right and now yeah. i'm going to watch a movie about a ghost <laughs> or i've been on my folklore cake yeah, and I'm like i'm going to watch a movie so like, about a, ghost. a few days ago
1: i was going to let you know how far ahead of time we're recording this before releasing it um, but a few days ago when the whole the news about Ruth Bader Ginsburg happened and I was like nope and I like essentially turned my phone off and just watched like five hours of X-Files because I was like this is the only thing that's gonna make me like feel okay about the world is like nah it's the 90s you can buy a house for like a hundred grand and like (laughs) the real threat inside corporate America is the ghost of a former service officer who was like part of a weird like experiment or you know someone's smart house building is gonna kill them because it's gained sentience and i was like yeah that's what i want where someone's like (laughs) talking about who could hack into this building and (laughs) he's using all these hilarious terms about like well there's techno wizards (laughs) <laughs> you know like it's just it's like spooky but also super innocent and I was like this is the only thing that's gonna make me feel okay in this world anymore yeah I don't yeah so like conversely yeah. in like a weird way I also way, don't think that makes me feel like since now Russians this. own Venus I don't think that I can deal with the news anymore I'm just like I'm gonna vote <laughs> and like do what I can but I don't know if I can watch the news anymore (laughs) there's just this
0: part of me that's like so dissociated from everything that I like no longer really feel like I'm part of the world well especially with like it's just like I I feel like I am a ghost as I do sometimes Like, you know, when you're just sometimes, like, I, I might be a ghost. <laughs> and that's how I'm feeling with the, like, world. Like, I think I might have, like,
1: died, and I might be trapped yeah. in some sort of
0: purgatory. Like, I'm not I sure. I
1: luckily live with another person, so when that happens, I could just be, like, oh. And they'll be, like. Yeah.
0: At least now I have a cat, so it's, like, okay, well, the cat is definitely <laughs> a thing that's alive. Maybe. No, your cat's definitely a ghost. A ghost. So... <laughs> I am... Yeah, actually, I, I like to call him my little void creature because he's so black. <laughs> he's, a he's so tiny, shadow he's just like with a eyes. Void of light. He's so small. He is a tiny shadow with eyes. He's my little <laughs> void creature.
1: Um, but I guess so, now that we've sort of defined our ideas about horror and why we like it and who we are, um, as we go forward with this project, like I think we should sort of explain that. how often we're releasing what exactly it is we're going to be talking about so that people can know whether or not they actually want to listen to the rest of these please do (laughs) yes please listen (laughs) yeah we would love to have listeners (laughs) um
0: yes do you want me to kind of cover sure so our plan is to release two episodes a month um i believe on fridays
1: yeah, so that you can get your spook spook, spook on, listen to weekend. it, and then you can know what to watch yeah. that evening. <laughs> so, and um,
0: I the second and fourth Friday of the month, mm-hmm. the second Friday of the month will be kind of a thematic episode, Um, yeah. so like, this More month... More like
1: today, where we were talking about the concept of horror.
0: Yeah, like the concept, like various themes... Or, like, tropes or, like, kind of more a general, like, um, discussion that can span multiple films. And then on the fourth Friday of the month, um, talking specifically about the four, we're going to pick four films every month um, from a variety of genres and discuss kind of their similarities, their differences... Uh, and kind of what we can see from them, uh, like oh, I can't tell. <laughs> um, what we can like glean from them about the human experience, and like
1: why we're drawn to this genre. Yeah. So the next episode, which will be coming out Halloween weekend, yay, is going to be uh, we're each going to pick two movies that sort of were what got us in to horror in the way that we are now yeah um so taylor what are your two movies uh so the two movies that i picked are the
0: the grudge but the american remake of the grudge with sarah michelle gellar um did not sleep it was one of the first like real (laughs) like actual horror movies that i had watched and didn't sleep Um, and then that kind of eventually led me to be really into uh, Japanese horror so my second pick is the Japanese original of Dark Water it's yeah. really good I, I'm excited for you to watch it
1: <laughs> yeah cause I haven't seen that one yet Yeah. and then my two are like I said the movies that I watched probably too young with my mom that border that line of thriller but I think we can make a very strong case are horror movies so Silence of the Lambs and seven, yeah. So,
0: and I've seen both of them, but it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to like rewatching.
1: Yeah, I haven't true. seen, I haven't watched Seven in like a hot minute, but I did recently rewatch in one of those moments where it's like I need something familiar to comfort me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I just, I need something to help me fall asleep, and I put on Silence of the Lamps and JP came in and was like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we. Uh, I just need that, that soothing voice of Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <Gladys>. <laughs> Do you hear the labs, please? laughs, please? Oh, man. Uh, so good, I'm Deeply troubled person. <laughs> but that's why
0: we're here. And we're both deeply troubled people. And yeah, various times I. <laughs> We talked about this, I think, with watching Hannibal. uh, There were multiple days where I was like, I need to, you know, watch something while I eat dinner because I can't be alone with my thoughts. And I'm, like, watching Hannibal and eating dinner and being like, probably shouldn't be able to do this. But, like, this is also, weird. Like,
1: it's, it is also deeply disturbing because of the way that they made that show where he's definitely eating people and you're like, but it looks really that good. It looks though. real good. <laughs> I definitely want to yes. eat that
0: person. But like Brian Fuller specifically said that their goal yeah. in creating Hannibal was to create horror that was so beautiful you couldn't look away from it, which is also why like
1: that they're scene so with beautiful. The All of the
0: like totems. The tree? That they build.
1: Yeah, the, the tree. tree man. <sighs> uh yeah. That but you know what that actually
0: reminded it was me of? Gorgeous. Was Annihilation, which was our <gasps> first
1: Fright Night movie. That was our first Fright what Night movie,
0: ones. and yeah, there, it was a very similar like this kind of like body horror of yeah. this like thing that's really beautiful but really horrifying because it
1: was like once a human body. Yeah, I also I watched that yeah. with I watched that the first time with my friends. Uh, when i was living in north carolina still and i watched it with a few of my friends and then i had to go home to my apartment where i lived alone and called my best friend in north carolina and was like you're just gonna have to talk to me until i fall asleep because i'm so oh. disturbed by annihilation jevin that was every single
0: one of our fright nights i had to get on a bus <laughs> <laughs> alone I would have to we would watch these movies and a couple like a lot of them I was like okay We with.
1: offered we always offered for you to stay <laughs> but, but yeah the Ari Aster ones
0: were, yeah hereditary, hereditary I like got home really and hard. sat down and was like frantically checking the corners of my ceiling like
1: oh no <laughs> <laughs> Stony Colette hanging out my yeah
0: hanging upside down <laughs> um yeah that was all of my experiences we would watch these scary movies and I'd be like well See you later guys, I'm going to go ride a bus. Annihilation was one though, I think because it was so unsettling and I was sick. This was back in the days when like I would get sick and still go places
1: because I was like whatever it's just a cold uh yeah remember that i have allergies and was on a run today and was like coughing because of the drainage in the back of my throat but i was like running past people and like sort of coughing a little bit and then being like oh my god i'm the worst person ever they definitely think they have covid (laughs) now and i'm like no it's just my allergy. i'm allergic to the trees or whatever it is in fall hey uh hay fever yeah hay fever whatever i i have fall allergies up here apparently I but yeah, I was I was just like I think I had a little bit of a anymore. fever and got on that
0: bus and was like I'm not sure the world is real. <laughs> it was like in kind yeah. of a fever dream being like, "Oh no. Yeah, I'm going to turn <laughs> like, my into a mother. plant because yeah. of these
1: aliens." <laughs> oh yeah,
0: it was just, it was that one was unsettling. I think unsettling yeah. is the other emotion word I really like to use to describe horror. Like that's yeah. my goal with a horror movie or book. I want to either feel like like horrified or unsettled or like unsettled by how beautiful I find the horror. I don't know. There's, there's like that us. It. That movie screwed me up. <laughs> oh man. I saw that one alone in a theater. Yeah, I don't know. That how you did that. Dumb... <laughs> It was not a good move. I decided yeah. to go by myself for some reason. I think because like get out, I really, really, really enjoyed, but it, I wasn't like that. But scared. that was
1: like, that's another one of those things where like that, toes that line and subverts so much of the horror tropes that like in by the end of it you're like oh that was a comedy but like it really wasn't because you're so scared for so much of it and then like the very end with that twist where it's like the lights show up and you're like oh no and then it's just like goofy And you're I like, think yeah, oh, right. and you're right about the tropes because it did like it was
0: subverting the very familiar trope. So it wasn't yeah, as I mean, like, the final girl was yeah. not a blonde girl; yeah. it was a black man. <laughs> but then his us was just like the most unsettling <gasps> thing I've ever seen, and like and one of the most. It didn't
1: resolve comfortably either. The resolution of that film made it more unsettling to yeah. go back and think about the things that were already scary yeah, and the really interesting part was that it
0: really it actually changed the kind of movie you were watching but yeah. it didn't feel like a bait and switch it felt no. like you there was information that you got at the end that altered the entire timeline so i woke up in the yeah. middle of the night like i went to sleep okay like fell asleep and then woke up in the middle of the night thinking about the implications of that film yeah. and like oof yeah it- i'm getting chills like, thinking about it.
1: Yeah. I and I watched like, it alone. And... I feel like Us was everything M. Night Shyamalan wanted any of his movies to be, and he utterly <sighs> failed at it. That's a really good Science point. Slimes garbage, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a really good point, because he wanted these twists to, like, really fundamentally oh, change the movie, but he didn't, like, lay down enough of the um, groundwork to make that an effective...
1: Yeah, like because I feel twist. like I feel like us was such a good movie that it didn't even it didn't necessarily need it, yeah. but it it did still add to it. Yeah. So like it would have been a complete movie without that twist, but it also like with a twist, all all it did was add to it. Where you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, now it's like so much more, whereas like, you know, you watch a, some of the M Night Shyamalan movies, like The Village. Right, The Village doesn't work without. The twist, yeah, because otherwise it's just kind of like a weird, yeah. You're just like, why? Walking but Phoenix, the like twist that. doesn't. <laughs> but the twist also doesn't make the movie better. You know, like the yeah. movie's not strong enough to stand on its own. But also, the twist doesn't make it better. It's just like, oh, okay. And like that's one of his movies that is like watchable. So, I mean, it's not <laughs> Lady in the Water. Or yeah, the <laughs> happening oh man the was happening was just Mark Wahlberg in theaters like, too
0: because like we had gone and it was like the five dollar Tuesday kind of thing and we were like let's watch the happening and we we're like what <laughs>
1: yeah it's the you're, at the end of the movie you were just Mark Wahlberg yeah like, what that woman at the stairs who's like I'm gonna kill you
0: what <laughs> you're just like what's happening
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, the happening we don't know what's <laughs>
0: happening it's never resolved <laughs>
1: yeah, that movie was terrible. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, we're going to have... We're going to break down specific themes yes. for each month. And then we'll have movies that may or may not be specifically related to those. But yeah, we'll definitely break down the tropes when we talk about the movies. And this month is going to be how we got into horror. Yeah. Um, so it's more like a personal journey. Yeah, and maybe us just like also... Uh, crying about how much we love halloween yeah that we can't have parties this year oh halloween is in your soul
0: though and i definitely expect to have a party of one in that i will wear (laughs) i my go-to costume which is a sweater very cozy and i will drink my pumpkin beer and i will have a lovely time and i will probably be watching the haunting of hill house all night
1: yes i i just ordered um there's this amazing woman in i think austin uh I think it's Jane Dottie Vintage, mm. which is a vintage store owned by a freakishly beautiful black woman, um, but she also makes gigantic scrunchies, Ooh. and she has Halloween-themed Lots. ones right now, like six different ones, oh and gosh. I ordered one, and I'm so excited. I think she's also doing Christmas ones, but the th- Halloween ones are what are on sale now, and I ordered one, and I have never been more excited for something in my life. <laughs> <That's very laughs> it's like a nice. gigantic... Halloween, it has pumpkins on it. Halloween scrunchie for all of my crazy curly hair. Excellent! I'm really excited. Yeah, Halloween is the best. That's my favorite thing, and it'll be my birthday. Yay! Okay, well that's it for us for this week. It's been super nice getting to know everyone. Uh, let us know what horror movies got you into the genre um at and check in for more information at our instagram it's ghostfolkspod um and follow us on soundcloud or whatever it is that you do in soundcloud and in um, a few days we should be up on your podcatcher of choice so make sure to like and subscribe leave us a review we'd really appreciate it thanks so much